Good afternoon and welcome to the Gym Owners and Women's Leaders Fitness Business Podcast, proudly supported and sponsored by FitRec Fitness Registration for Fitness Professionals and Active Women, the Modern Approach to Fitness Business. Today, I'm speaking to Michelle Furness, CCO, Health and Fitness Explorer, Australia, New Zealand. We are going to be talking about fitness industry performance post-COVID. We've got lots of insights to share with you, and I think you're going to be quite surprised. Good afternoon, Michelle. Hi, Mel. How are you? I'm very, very well. It's great to finally catch up with you after the interesting 15 months or so that we've had. Yeah, interesting would be one way to look at it, Mel. It's great to catch up. I think it's also been great to actually be able to catch up with other people face-to-face. And I'm looking forward to more of that this year, although, as you're aware, Victoria has only just come out of its fourth lockdown. It has just come out of its fourth lockdown, and I'm just hoping that there's no lockdown in November so that we can head up to the fitness and wellness uh, show up there that Sean Krenz is running in November in Sydney. Michelle, before we get started with the podcast, let's just enlighten people a little bit about Explorer and who they are and what they do. Yeah, sure. So um, Explore Technologies is actually the parent company of um, Debit Success and Clubwork in Australia and New Zealand. Um, They're probably brands that uh, a lot in the health and fitness industry are familiar with. Um, So Debit Success being uh, a payments uh, platform as well as a full service um, solution. Um, along with Clubware, which is a uh, member management and software that you know, manages, helps gyms uh, manage their members' um, access, suspensions, classes, um, you know, with the respective gyms that they go to. Um, in uh, Australia and New Zealand, um, Explore Technologies also um, owns other payment providers such as PaySmart and in the software space, uh, Links Modular Solutions, Perfect Mind, um, as well as PT Minder. Um, Explore Technologies is also in, in other verticals such as um, education, um, field services, um, and we operate in the US, um, Canada, uh, New Zealand, Japan. Um, we're growing. It's, uh, we're growing globally, let's put it that way. And you're growing extremely fast, too, by the looks of it. I mean, you've been extremely busy over the last 12 months, even though we've been in COVID mode. Yeah, absolutely, Mel. Um, Although COVID uh, hit us um, hard, um, that didn't stop us from uh, growing and continuing to support our clients um, along the way. So let's talk about the, the fitness industry. Now, I've just been going over the report that you sent me through, and this is really interesting information for clubs. So let's just sort of start back with clubs opening. So we're talking about COVID, um, post-COVID, and what you've been doing here is basically putting information together that tells us about members cancelling, members obviously joining gyms, talking about the times of days people are working out, we're talking about what age groups are popular, what age groups aren't popular. 
we're talking about uh, the, the sexes that are, that are joining and where we stand now 12 months later. So let's go right back to the start. Jim's reopening. The floor is all yours, Michelle. Great. Thanks, Mel. So you're absolutely right. Um, we had a look at um, lots of different metrics around uh, COVID reopening. Obviously, COVID was an unprecedented um, event. And as you may recall, um, around April, May last year, some states started reopening. And the question that was hot on everyone's lips was, well, gyms have been closed for a period of time. What's going to happen when we reopen? Um, and we tracked what memberships, um, member ads, as well as cancels looked like within the first four weeks of reopening. Week one, compared to a pre-COVID um, week, we saw that cancellations, perhaps unsurprisingly, were nearly twice as high as what they were before COVID. And that makes sense, right? Here are members that haven't used the gym for a few months. Well, actually, in the case of Victoria, that was up to six months. Um, they hadn't used the gym for that period and really decided um, they didn't need it um, anymore, they didn't want it anymore. Or perhaps there were also members that actually reached the end of their minimum term um, during that suspended period. So we saw a spike in cancellations. But what was really um, encouraging was the fact that members joining were actually on par um, in fact, a little bit higher than what they were on a normal week pre-COVID. So that was in week one. And then we tracked that out over week two, week three, and week four. And what we saw there was a normalisation in the cancellations. So those cancellation um, percentages really fell down to what they were pre-COVID. And similarly, with the membership joins, it wasn't just in week one, um, members were keen to work off those COVID kilos and straight back into the gym. We actually saw that you know, consistently for the next four weeks, the same number of members that would join on any normal given week pre-COVID, they were also doing that um, post-COVID. Um, and then what we had a look at after that was, you know, in that we, we saw the appetite for uh, new joiners in that four weeks. We then dulled that, fast forwarded that um, a year on to have a look at what memberships were looking like, you know, post COVID in a normalised, um, well, I say normalised in inverted commas. Um, and we actually broke that data up by state because. Um, as you're well aware, there were some states that were less affected than, by COVID than other states. So we saw in states such as Tasmania, Northern Territory and South Australia all had increases in their membership base, um, you know, compared to pre-COVID. In fact, we saw in Tasmania, on average, membership numbers were up 4.9% compared to you know, pre-COVID. Um, similarly, in Northern Territory, we saw that that was up 4.6%. Conversely, we had a look at some other states um, across Australia 
um, that were more affected um, by COVID. And you know, I feel like I'm pointing out poor Victoria here. Um, but on average, we see Victorian clubs down on memberships, um, on average, 8.8%. Um, similarly, um, an ACT down 7.4%. Um, WA um, down a touch, 1.6, as well as in New South Wales down 0.5. Have you got any questions for me on there, Mel, or shall I continue? No, oh, actually, I have got a question for you. So, Tassie, South Australia, and Northern Territory, they increased their numbers. Why do you think their numbers increased? Do you think it was the environment, the state and territory that they were living in, or do you think it was other factors? Look, I think there could be other factors um, that were, you know, that caused this, um, Mel, but I do feel like one of the contributing factors um, was the fact that their lockdowns were not as long yeah. Um, and they had very few um, cases in those states. So it was almost like they didn't get used, they didn't have enough time to get used to lockdown. It was just sort of like an extended long weekend. I know that sounds very a la cash, but it was like an extended long weekend and then they were back to business very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. It was almost as if they bounced, you know, straight back to normality. Yeah. Um, and we actually did the same uh, study for our um, colleagues over in New Zealand, and we found that in New Zealand also, because of their relatively short lockdown, um, we found that they bounced back um, and also experienced a, a little growth. Yeah, it's almost like the bad habits and poor mental health didn't get enough time to sort of grab a hold of traction that uh, they would because they were short you know the, as I said the bad habits and the mental health didn't become an issue and gyms just opened and then and then those that weren't members obviously saw the importance of joining the clubs so that's interesting the shorter lockdowns produced more profit for the clubs opposed to the longer lockdowns cost us money yeah absolutely um so uh, Another metric that we looked at was around um, member habits. So gyms reopened of the members, you know, that joined or of the members that um, were already members, what were their visitation patterns like? And again, we tracked it very closely, week one, post reopening. And what we actually saw there was a marked decrease in the peak periods. So peak periods, um, just about every gym owner out there will know, will be in the mornings, somewhere between 5 and 8 a.m. And again, in the evening, somewhere between that 4 um, and 7 p.m. Uh, time frame. We saw there was a significant um, decrease during those peak hour visitations, and we can attribute that to uh, a lot of um, people working from home and not being you know, tied down to having to go to the gym either before work or rushing to get there after work and before getting home. Um, and then we had a look at what that looked like a year on. Did those patterns actually stick or not? And interestingly, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, 
those habits did. What we're seeing now is an increase in people starting to come into the gym um, over the course of the day. And we see that increase uh, probably most prominent um, between the 8 a.m. and 12 p.m. Um, slot of the day. Um, and, you know, in the same vein, we're seeing less people um, come into the gym over those really peak periods. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, we can see uh, in terms of what that looks like in um, percentages, um, we definitely see there's an increase um, of up to about 2.7% um, of people coming in between 12 um, and 4 p.m. Um, and then equally between that 4 and 8 a.m. mark, we're seeing a decrease in about 2.3%. I have to agree with you there, Michelle. We actually had to change our business model, our business model, based on people changing the times they were coming into the club to work out. So once we sort of said to somebody, look, if you don't have to come at 6 o'clock on Monday night, please don't come. Um, you know, it's like 6 o'clock is not as busy as what it used to be. Totally agree with you that people are coming into the club 8 a.m. to 12 noon. And definitely, you know, from that 3.30 onwards in the afternoon, we actually now start our group fitness classes from 4.30 in the afternoon and we find that 4.30, 5 o'clock, 5.30 are a lot more busier as opposed to the once quarter past six, six o'clock classes. So definitely people have shifted their priorities on what time they're working out during the day and I'm actually quite enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. To be able to go and, you know, do a gym class at 4.30 and be able to be home um, with the family for dinner come 6 o'clock, I think is a big win. Um, we're you know, seeing uh, anecdotal feedback from clients um, around the same things. Not having the travel time to and from work um, allows them the flexibility to be able to get to the gym at slightly earlier um, times. Um, and I think it's great also, Mel, that you've actually uh, shifted or that you've actually gone and changed some of your gym class times um, to be able to suit members. Um, we also saw some gyms uh, offer or specifically um, go out to members to try and get them to come in in those less busy times um, to ensure that they could maximise capacity when there were, um, you know, restrictions around how many people could get into the gym um, of a certain period, right? So where you were only allowed 50 people in, in fact, there were, you know, gyms that were actively encouraging their members to come in in less busy times, which actually worked both ways. I think from a member perspective, they enjoyed coming into a facility that wasn't um, super packed and they felt more COVID safe. Um, and you know, similarly for the gym, they could get more people in through their doors, even though they had some capacity limitations. Yeah, we found that running, because people were working from home, we were encouraging them to come in and either do a lunchtime class that went for 30 minutes at 12 o'clock, 
or we would encourage them to come in and do our virtual classes during the day because they had to take a lunch break anyway if they were working from home. So why not come in and do your, your workout in the middle of the day? And again, like you said, it sort of encouraged traffic flow through what was normally a quieter time we got them through them, which means that we weren't turning people away that could only really come at that six or seven o'clock at night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another metric that we looked at um, just whilst we were on the topic of visitation smell um, is around the most popular day for people to actually visit the gym. Now, pre-COVID, perhaps unsurprisingly, Monday was by far the most popular day um, for people to get into the gym. Um, I'm assuming that's, uh, you know, after a, uh, a weekend of uh, indulgence, perhaps. Um, so pre-COVID, we saw 18.3% um, of members would actually go into the gym on a Monday. And that would just scale downwards um, as the week progressed, you know, right down to on a Sunday, you typically see the gyms only about 8.5%, um, you know, 8.5% of members actually going to the gym um, on a Sunday. Now, post-COVID, what we've actually seen is that's actually shifted. So although Monday still remains a popular day um, to visit the gym at 17%, we've actually seen Tuesday taking over as the most popular, now sitting at 18.5%. Um, so in fact, we've seen a slight increase on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just slightly um, over the course of the week. And we've seen a decrease on the Monday um, as well as, interestingly, on a Saturday. So again, I think what this tells us, um, both using the data as well as feedback um, or commentary from our clients, is that because people aren't necessarily tied down to their work schedules or their, you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five, they have been able to spread out their gym visits over the course of the week. Now, in our club, I was only telling the girls yesterday because obviously, you know, I was reading your uh, insights over the last couple of days and they said, absolutely agree with that. Monday nights are definitely quieter in the club and definitely more foot traffic coming through on a Tuesday. And also people are looking for more wellness programs to do Sundays, Sunday afternoons. 4.30, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, where it used to be Sunday morning. Yeah, right. That's very interesting. So it's, it's almost like people are taking a, a long weekend, isn't it? It's like uh, Mondays, uh, we're extending it now, the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, working from home, and their work days are there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and they're using the gym on those days as their escape from working from home. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that you've also been listening to, you know, that feedback from the members, Mel, and actually tailoring or, you know, actually switching up your Group X classes um, in line with the feedback that you've been receiving. Well, you have to, Michelle, because if you don't listen to the feedback, you waste wages. You see, you spend money in areas that you don't need to be spending money. So you need to look at the insights change your programming and therefore what you're doing is you're actually 
will also be saving yourself some dollars and cents. So now we have um, less reception hours on a Monday and we have more reception hours on a Tuesday because Tuesday is our more proactive day. And, and that's the better way to work your business as opposed to, you know, everybody's got to be on board for Monday. Well, not anymore. Everybody needs to be on board for Tuesday and for Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, all right, so I'll move on to a, a another metric that we looked at, um, and this one is around demographics or you know the age group um, of people that were actually you know going back to the gym, and then a year later, what are they doing in terms of you know joining up gyms or cancelling their memberships? Um, so the first one that we looked at was you know, post-COVID, who was coming back to the gym? And perhaps unsurprisingly, we found that the under um, 30s, unfortunately not a category I'm lucky enough to be in um, anymore, we saw that there was an increase of those uh, members coming back into the gym. Um, perhaps, you know, we had the younger demographic or younger population um, less uh, afraid of COVID or, you know, feeling as though they were, it was less of an impact to them. So we actually saw um, an increase of 4% of members actually visiting um, that were under 30. And then conversely, um, in the over 30s, we saw a decrease in those members coming back into the gym. Um, another metric that we looked at was of those members um, that, you know, had their gym memberships, uh, you know, come off suspension um, because now gyms were open again, what proportion of those members actually went and resuspended their gym memberships? And we actually found that in the over 30 category, um, they were one and a half times more likely to cancel them. Um, sorry, not cancel. They were more likely to suspend their gym membership than those in their under 30s. And you might be thinking that doesn't seem like a huge number, but really what that means is that for every, say, 10 um, under 30s that were going to resuspend their memberships, that was actually equivalent to 15 uh, members that were over 30 um, that actually went ahead and you know, wanted to resuspend their memberships. Is that something that you saw in your clubs as well, Mel? Oh, absolutely. Um, definitely, Michelle. The under 30s, I felt they... I, I suppose they felt insecure about COVID. It was something that they couldn't control in their life and their health was important to them, but they didn't realise the importance of going to the gym and how that, that would play a major role uh, in a positive manner if they were to get sick. So it was almost like, and there was a lot of bad, let's face it, there was a lot of bad neg bad negativity out there in the media about gyms and the younger generation don't tend to take that sort of stuff on board where the older generation do. So I felt that that was playing a role in the cancellations. The younger people under 30s, yeah, they were really eager to get back into the gyms. 
But I also found with the under 30s uh, a touch of disloyalty. They're happy to go from gym to gym, sign up for lots of free trials because as gym doors opened, we must admit that there was a flood of offers. You know, free trial here, free trial there, join up for $8 a week, no contract, no this, no that, cancel whenever you like. And the younger generation took advantage of that. So the downside, I feel, of the under-30s for some clubs were that those groups were moving on, they were gym hopping. And I use another word for that, but we'll just say gym hopping for now. Um, the under-30s, um, you know, they come, they go. The over-30s, though, when they were coming back to the club and they were back to the club to stay, They've been as loyal as anything. You know, some of them have wanted to keep their membership going through lockdown. And I feel for my club now, I've changed my business model and I'm focusing more on the over 30s as opposed to the under 30s. Yeah, fantastic. So, and I think in sharing these, this data and insights with other um, gym owners and clients, um, I think what this has given them is an opportunity or food for thought around how they might market to you know different age groups not to say that that wasn't what they were doing previously um but to your point earlier around you know gym hopping or, or maybe the insecurity around um, are gyms COVID safe um what this data has done is has actually made gyms go, okay, well, if I want to focus on the over 30s, what am I going to have to do um, to entice them to, you know, come in the door more? Yeah, I think you need to know where your over 30s market is. So go and have a look at the, the uh, analytics on your Facebook page. Have a look at the demographic. Have a look at who's visiting your Facebook page. And then where your high percentages are, market to those people. So the majority of our Facebook ads now are done to over 30. Yes, there are under 30s that want to join our gym, but they're the deconditioned market, not the conditioned market. So I find that the under 30s that are joining our club are actually seeing the ads for our over 30s, which are the non-intimidating ads. Therefore, we are tapping into the under 30s by the deconditioned market as opposed to a conditioned market. Mm, very interesting stuff. Um, Mel, you mentioned around membership promos as well as um, you know offers that uh, you know have been out there post COVID, and we can see you know just about every single um, gym has had an offer um, out there to get you know prospects in through the door, um, and we've seen that in. Uh, actually reflect in the yield um, of gym memberships. So pre-COVID, we actually saw that the average weekly yield was $17.55. And post-COVID, um, interestingly, that yield is now down um, about a dollar, down to $16.52. Um, and we can attribute that mostly to the fact um, that a lot of clubs are running uh, promos. There are some very competitive online join offers um, out there, including ones that have free time. Um, but we can also attribute the decrease in yield um, as a result of different membership types, you know, a pivot on membership types, if you like. Um, you know, lots of clubs telling us things like members no longer have to commute to and from work, so they don't need to have access to a gym that is, you know, both, 
in the city, close to their office, as well as close to home. And they've now opted, you know, to scale back to a home club only membership. Um, and also, similarly, uh, members that have decided that they don't need a membership that has um, all the bells and whistles and have gone, opted instead for a more low frills uh, membership. And all of those factors have essentially contributed to um, a decrease in yield. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And you're right, you know, that you think about the bigger picture of this. If you're in a, a franchise network and you're selling, let's say, the VIP gold membership that gives you access to, say, 40 clubs throughout Australia, the reality is if your client is no longer, let's say, working half an hour, an hour from home and they're working from home now, there's no need for them to have access to all of those clubs unless they're travelling. And if they're travelling, there's other ways that they can access health clubs. Now, you don't have to be a member of a franchise network. So I totally agree. They're looking for the low frills. Yeah, I can go to my local club for 12 or $13 a week. And if I want to upgrade to something else, I'll do that down the track. But right now, this suits my budget and I'm happy to support local business, which is a message that our industry is pushing quite heavily at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, and what will be interesting is, you know, just yeah, if we were to fast forward this um, another year, it would be very interesting to see um, if that yield does maintain or does it decrease more or does it increase? Yeah, I think with all the new franchises too coming, when I say franchises, I mean new boutiques coming to Australia. I mean, we're launching like, <laughs> excuse me, three or four new brands over the next 12 to 18 months. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they come into the, the marketplace dollar-wise and then what people like myself and other club owners do. Whether Will they match it? Will they put their prices up? Will they drop their prices? Personally, I tell every club owner out there right now to put your prices up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another metric that we looked at, uh, Mel, was around suspensions. So a pre-COVID um, um, average um, suspension rate was 6.66%. Um, um, and this, this metric actually surprised me. I was expecting suspensions um, to have increased in a post-COVID um, world. But that's actually now decreased, and we're seeing the average suspension rate now sitting at 4.8%. Um, and when we went out to speak to clients um, and you know, gym owners out there, it kind of made sense um, as to why some of those suspensions, why the suspension percentage was actually down. Um, the single biggest one was around suspension quotas. We know that most gym memberships have, you know, a certain period of time that you can suspend for, right? For example, a maximum of six weeks or eight weeks um, a year. Um, and post-COVID, um, many had run out of that suspension quota. So they either had to continue their gym memberships or uh, continue paying for them without suspending them or... Um, they'd have to cancel them. And another big contributor would be the fact that um, with lockdown as well as well as restrictions on movement, um, you know, no one could really book a holiday to 
Bali or Queensland at this stage. I can't even get to Queensland. Um, so for that reason, with no holidays or events, um, there were very little excuses or, you know, reasons why a member would need to suspend. Is that something you saw in your clubs as well, Matt? Um, we felt that the suspensions start to drop off with every lockdown. And like what you said, nobody could go away, so they were, everybody was just locally based. I think, uh, and exhausting the suspensions, absolutely. So I don't know about other club owners, but we have a limit on how many times you can suspend your, your membership. So absolutely, yeah, they exhausted those. Uh, we also found, because we were doing stuff online also, that uh, stopped people from suspending their membership. If your membership is current, you are able to join us online as well as live in the club. So that slowed the suspensions down also. Yeah, excellent. Um, and the last metric um, I wanted to share with you today was around um, sleepers. Now, I know everyone has a slightly different uh, definition of what a sleeper is um, for purposes of um, this insight we've defined a sleeper as someone who hasn't accessed the club in 120 days so approximately uh, four months um and pre-covid that sat at 24 percent so just under a quarter um, of members hadn't accessed the club in 120 days um Post-COVID, we saw that that increased um, slightly to 26%. Um, and we are hoping that uh, uh, that doesn't continue uh, to increase. Um, admittedly, I was expecting to see that number um, come down, you know, when we saw some of those metrics around you know, suspensions decreasing as well as, you know, members no longer sitting on the fence and just cancelling. Um, again, in speaking with gym owners um, on this one, um, many felt as though that there were members out there that were still holding on to their gym memberships as a security blanket, um, hoping and thinking that they would go back into the gym at some stage, um, and we hope the same for them. Yeah, I definitely agree with the security blanket. We've had a few of those conversations uh, with members. Can I just uh, skip where we're going with the, the, the sleepers chit-chat and just ask you, right now today, right now today, what are the average numbers a member join, uh, comes and visits their club? The average number of times a member visits yep. the gym? Yep. Yeah, so uh, on average, um, we see that 9% um, of members, and this is, you know, it's a great metric. I love this one. 9% um, of members actually visit the gym four times or more. That's actually up 1% from pre-COVID. So what that tells us is, you know, the real... Uh, yeah, keen gym goers or the real serious um, gym goers are continuing their good habits. In fact, you know, those good habits have increased um, up to 9% now. I'd love to know, Michelle, why gym uh, members are going to the clubs four times a week and why we've had that increase. Is it because 
they're concerned about COVID or is it they've realised uh, throughout COVID that their health is important? I mean, I'd like to know why there's been an increase in visits. Yeah, and, and look, Mel, you know, we have the data. Um, we don't always have the answers behind um, the data. But in speaking with, again, when we go out to our clients and, you know, other gym owners and people that work in gyms and ask them, um, you know, why they would think, you know, some of those things are happening, it, it is a combination of those, um, people recognising that their health is really important and, you know, making sure that they give, uh, they set aside time in their day to get into the gym. Um, another big contributing factor is the fact that lockdown really emphasised um, to lots of people that although virtual training was great um, and there were lots of ways of, you know, keeping fit um, without being in the gym, there wasn't a substitute for, say, their favourite combat or pump class or, you know, being face-to-face um, with a personal trainer or being able to go into the gym um, with their friends and have a workout and... Uh, I feel like that has been one of the biggest contributing factors um, to increased visits um, to the gym. Yeah, I must admit, as the more lockdowns we had, the less attendance we had to our virtual classes. And the excuses were incredible. I didn't want to get out of bed this morning. I can do Mel's class later on in the afternoon. And the excuses just went on and on. And people are very honest and upfront in saying that they prefer that social interaction and seeing people that have uh, the same agenda as them. And they, they prefer to come in and do the live classes. Michelle, can I just ask you something again, just shifting gears slightly. And this one always, always intrigues me. Bank accounts, credit cards. Um, I know that a lot of the club owners out there, you know, have a couple of days a week where they, they chase arrears, chase arrears, and we chase arrears on the phone and we do the text messaging and we do the emails and we stop the memberships at the door and we do all those things. Can you just enlighten me a little bit about how can I minimise that workload? What is the best thing for me to do as a club owner to ensure that I'm getting those membership fees and I'm not getting those arrears? Yeah, absolutely. Really good question, uh, Mel. And I could speak about reversal rates until the cows come home, but <laughs> realising that uh, we've only got so much time in a day, I'll give you the really um, high-level um, updates. So... Without a doubt, bank account is going to yield a better result than a credit card. In fact, up to two and a half times better than uh, um, what a, a credit card would. And the main reason for this is that most people get paid directly into a bank account. Bank accounts do not change very frequently. Um, and credit cards obviously have the ability to uh, max out. Um, if there was another single change that any, a gym owner could implement would be around the payment frequency. So a weekly payment is going to be nearly twice as successful in a payment collection as compared to someone collecting a gym payment of a monthly 
um, basis. Um, some other metrics we look at are around the day of the week. Perhaps unsurprisingly in Australia, because most people get paid on a Thursday, Thursday is the best day of the week um, to collect payments. We've also done some other um, metrics or studies around, well, is there a best age group um, to collect payments? And perhaps unsurprisingly, the older you get, the more financial responsible you are, and that a uh, you know reversal rate decreases. Um, and then uh, similarly, between males and females, females in general um, have a better um, collection rate. Now, as with everything, there is a law of diminishing returns. So when I speak to gym owners, we know it wouldn't be, a, you know, it wouldn't be the best move to only allow, you know, female um, members and, you know, female members that are, say, over the age of 50. Um, that wouldn't make any business, uh, that wouldn't make good business sense. Um, but what gym, um, gym owners can do is very, very easily um, in order to, you know, say improve their collections to only offer, say, a bank account um, as a payment method and to encourage, strongly encourage um, a weekly frequency over, say, a fortnight or a monthly um, payment frequency. Yeah, I agree with that. Nobody misses uh, the weekly payment come out of their account. It's sort of in and out before you know it. And definitely Thursday. And the other great um, aspect about doing things on a Thursday is if you're a club owner and you want to run promotions or you want to tap into your database, Thursday is a great day for text messaging. People have a tendency to impulse buy on a Thursday also because, as Michelle said, most people get paid on a Thursday. That's a very good tip, Mel. And, uh, yeah, never run the promo on a Monday. No, because not after the weekend. <laughs> As we know, people blow out over the weekend. Michelle, is there any other advice that you can give to our club owners today? Um, no, I would say, you know, to all the uh, club owners that are out there, I know it's been a really tough year. It's really tough 15 months, in fact. Um, and what I've been really impressed with is the way uh, that, you know, gym owners have just got on um, with it, uh, you know, being able to pivot their membership types, their offerings. Um, you know, the uh, last bit of advice that I would offer them is to go and speak with their peers and to come speak with, with us um, around what data we might have and be able to share so that they can go and make, you know, some better business decisions um, to ensure that they, you know, succeed for now but also in the future. Yeah, there's nothing wrong uh, with asking for help. Uh, everybody's willing to work together in a collaborative manner and I know the team at Explore Technologies can help you and I know a lot about USA listeners will be getting in touch with Michelle after hearing that you guys are located in the USA as well. So some great tips from Michelle today. So some things for you to think about 
after today's podcast are having a look at your business model, perhaps changing the times of your group fitness programming, bringing classes earlier on in the day and offering those lunchtime classes because as we said, you know, people are working from home now and they haven't got that travel factor to take into account. You heard Michelle talk about weekly debits are more successful. Thursday is the day of the week to be taking those payments from your members. And um, that looks like that's about it, Michelle, I think. We've done a tremendous job. We've been on the, the podcast now for 50 minutes and you've certainly informed everybody that's listening this afternoon. Thanks for your time, Elle. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the podcast. You're very welcome. Now, what Michelle will be doing in a couple of weeks' time is putting together a visual a visual podcast for us, and we'll be going over the presentation again, and you'll be able to, so you've listened to it now vocally, and in a few weeks' time, you'll be able to actually watch, and Michelle will take you through this presentation. Now, Michelle, I just need to ask you, uh, will you be in Sydney in November for the Fitness and Wellness Show? Yes, I will be, Mel. Very much looking forward to interacting um, with other fitness professionals face-to-face. So I assume you will also be there, Mel. I will be there. We're going to be running a women's uh, panel and a women's event there for a couple of hours in conjunction with the show. So hopefully we'll be able to get Michelle along to speak to some of you guys in the audience. But in the meantime, do reach out to Michelle. Where is the best place for them to get in contact with you? Sure. So feel free to uh, reach out to me uh, on my email, michelle.f at transactionservices.global um, or on my mobile, 0448-272-007. Fantastic. So today we spoke to Michelle Furness, CCO Health and Fitness from Explore Technologies. And again, our podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Fitnet FitRec. <laughs> Registration for fitness professionals and active women, the modern approach for fitness business. Thank you again for your time today, Michelle. No worries. Thanks, Mel. Have a great day. You too.